All right, just as you take your seats, I'm going to quickly introduce Henry, but actually more than introducing him, just introduce his message. I don't know if I'm going to bring the preach Just introduce the message, and actually the message for the next couple of weeks. I don't know if you can yeah, put that up for us, but um, there's something we felt to actually speak about for the next couple of weeks. We're going to touch on different areas, but I wanted to just introduce it and then give over to Henry. But you'll see the title. If you want to call it a series, we basically never do a series. But this will be as close to a series as possible if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us in a different direction. But um, we want to call it Just a Christian. And the reason we're calling it that is I think there's something that, that, we, that we've seen that we want to speak into as leaders in the church. And, um, and I, I think the invitation, and it's so in line with a couple of the prophetic words that came through tonight, is that God has something for every single person in here. Many times we make these unnecessary distinctions. We say, I'm a w- Christian with weak faith, or I'm a new Christian, I'm an older Christian, I'm a mature Christian, or I'm a leader, or I'm an elder, or I'm a deacon. And we make these tears, but actually there's so much in the Bible that's directed at every single Christian. So there isn't something like just a Christian. Being a Christian is really a high calling. It's a beautiful thing that God wants to do in each of our lives. And there's a fear in me and a fear in us that what we, what we can quickly slip into is say, I want to grow in my Christianity so that I can go to the next step, maybe be a leader. But actually, that's not what God is calling us to. God is calling us to be Christians who are on fire for God, who love God, who live for Him passionately and say, whatever you want to do with my life, you do that. So... We're going to look at a couple of various angles of this. I'm really excited. I think there's a couple of key things that's going to be spoken into us. Um, so we're calling it Just a Christian. And then in right tonight is um, uh, basically the messages that we've looked at are all around some of the phrases that we say that are just so unbiblical. Um, and this one is, I'm not one of those Christians. You know those Christians, right? Anyone? You come into a place, you're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those Christians, Right? But there's something of God wanting to call all of us to higher standard, all of us to be those Christians, those radical Christians. So I'm going to hand over to Enri, and then he is going to, he's going to lead it for us, or preach. Yeah. Feels like that was the core of my message, so we can technically go home. <laughs> Don't, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Father, I thank you for your... Your faithfulness, Lord. And Jesus, I thank you for your response and obedience to the Father to come down and die on a cross for each one of us so that we can have free access, Lord. And Father, I trust even as we are going to look at this message, Lord, um, I trust that you would come and shape us and mold us into what you expect of us, God, and not a, in a sense, a Christianity based on our imagination and what we think it needs to be, God, but, uh, but around your scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. I just thought about that scripture, Hebrews 10 verse 24 says that, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And these type of preaching and coming to to you guys, we can only influence you guys and try to, to come before you and say, guys, there is more for each and every one of us to take hold of in Christ Jesus because of His blood and because of what Jesus has done. But we cannot go and come alongside you and every morning say, wake up, do this, do that. 
but only influence you and provoke you. And that is exactly what I want to do this evening, to provoke us that, and to actually rip open the ceiling and say, guys, there is so much more for us in Christ Jesus. Amen? So a couple of weeks ago, or months ago actually, I started to notice something, and it's more a confession that I'm going to make now, of my personality and something of a insecurity that I found in myself. And just because of my weekly go-abouts, I meet quite a lot of people, especially on Sundays. And I would sometimes go into random groups, meet new visitors, meet new people, and I would start to chat with them, have a conversation with them. But every now and then, and you might have found this, that you join a conversation and you don't know what they are speaking about. It's like these super highly intellectual people, like all three of them, speaking about something medical or something maths or something about investments, and you just stand there and like, oh, now I need to greet these people. But you join the group because you're a nice Christian, and you need to meet, meet new people, and you stand there, and you just nod your head. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're, just, and you're like, oh, that's good, but you don't know what they are saying. You don't have a cooking clue. And then I always have this fear, but it always happens, that one of them wants to include me in the conversation and say, Henry, what do you think? And I, hey. <laughs> and I stand there, and it feels like I, my body needs to catch up but I, because I just got a stroke. Inside of me, I'm like, what do I say, what do I say, what do I say? And I'm like, yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, it's great, it's great. But then something in me avoids that group. Like every time I see those three or four people meet, I'm like, yo, hello, hello, hello. And I walk to another group because I don't want to feel insecure again or feel like I'm not one of those type of people. And I saw exactly the same thing starts to happen with me at our exercise classes. So the, the guys that are there, they are quite intimidating to say the least and in my gym they always take off their shirts and that is like the most insecure thing ever for me coming in there I'm like these guys are and they like just build well but there's certain movements that I can't do I just look at that and I'm like no ways and then I would start to look at the schedule of the workout of the week and I'm like I'm not going to Thursdays that's my rest day because I can't do it and a fear grips my heart, actually, to say, I'm not even going to try it. I'm not even going to go there. And I recognized that about myself. And some of you are laughing, but it's actually true for you in running. You look at some people running those marathons, and they look like that ponies. They're just like majestic in all of their ways. And you're like, no, I'm not one of those people. I'm more like a park run type person. I'm the park run walker, and I'll take my... my my girlfriend or my wife for a walk and the children with the pram and all of those type of things. Or you would look at people in your, what examples can I use? In your, for the students here in your classroom and you look at them and they're like these super smart people and you're like, but I just need to be like a 51% person because all that matters is actually that we have the degree, right? Who cares about having a cum laude and things like that? But the reality is we actually do that in our faith that we would look at certain Christians and we'd look at their intimacy with the Lord and we're like, I will never be one of those type of Christians. And we put ourselves in a certain subgroup of, of Christianity and I just need to do enough. So if, if they can see me at Sundays and they can see me at Wednesdays and once a term at a, something outside of those two things, then I'm, I'm, I got the degree. I'm the Christian. Or you just say on Facebook, I'm a Christian. 
then you're like in the group. Or you look at some people, I wrote down here, that you, it's almost awkward to go with them to a coffee shop because you know they're going to speak to the waiter. And you're like, yes, Jesus loves you, man. And you just sit there like, oh, I had to do that. And you feel like you're obligated to share the gospel, but they're already going for it and praying for it. And this person is crying and you're like, oh, I just want to get out of here um, because I'm also, uh, and you've, you almost exclude yourself from that type of Christian. Or for those that are looking at, I've seen these radical type of Christians, they're always at every single care. If there is something going on in the church, they're there. Prayer meetings, they're there. Calm nights, they're there. Sundays, they are there. If there's something happening at Fat Butcher, Freiburger, and Java, they're all three. It's just like you can't get rid of them. And then we go like, but I'm one of those balanced Christians. I balance my family life. I balance my work. I balance my Jesus box. And we just have a balanced life, and we don't match up to those type of things because that is their calling in God. But I think God has not called us to any subgroup or preference of Christianity. I don't see that in the Scripture. But what we start to do is we start to take Christianity and form it into our own likeness. And Jesus actually said, but I want to form you into my likeness. But we say, God, I'm forming you into what my preference is. What's my personality or what I want in this season? And we start to form a sort of a Christianity around our circumstances based on it's a busy season, and I, and I, I get it. There is busy seasons, but sometimes we use it to say, okay, at this season, Jesus take a different priority than something else. And actually, it should not be that our circumstances influence our walk with God, but actually our walk with God that influenced the season we find ourselves in. Or our personality. Introvert, extrovert. We love to use those phrases like, I'm not one of those extrovert Christians. I'm more like an introvert type of Christian and a private Christian that it's all about me and God. I'm, I'm close to Him. But once again, our personality gets in the way. I'm an introvert standing here tonight. I'm an introvert. I love to be alone. I love to do long jogs on my own. I don't like it when people are there. I don't like speaking to them. But God, but God, but God, I cannot let my personality come in the way and put it out there and say, okay, God, thank you for creating me like this. I think God is not that intimidated by your personality. He doesn't really care if you're introvert, extrovert, this, this, this. He wants to use you despite that. He wants to say, even your personality, will you lay it down for my kingdom purposes? Preference Christianity. That we, I know there's a culture in Stellenbosch specifically, not to go at the visitors, but there is a sense of a church hopping culture that we go hunt for churches. But I want to always ask those people, what is the standard you are looking for? What type of church are you looking for? Because actually what we are doing, we're saying, where is a church that fits me? It's all about us, and it's all about me. And how can this church serve me and my personality and my insecurity and my fears and my hurts? Where can I disappear the most and don't need to do enough and don't feel guilty enough for doing not enough? We find churches and we find a Christianity that is actually based on preference rather than the Word of God. Another one is fear and hurt. 
Life happens, guys. We get hurt. We get insecure because of people hurting us. But sometimes I think we don't come to the Word of God with our hurts and fears, and we shy away from what is expected of us in God, that we don't want to get involved with a little small group or a community or give ourselves at this place because there I need to face my fears. You will just go around the mountain the whole time, not facing that fears, not breaking through into freedom until you come to a place to say, I will face my fears and open up and give of myself. But the question then is, what is expected of us? And we can go to Matthew 19, verse 21 to 22. And this is the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. And basically what he asks Jesus is, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Or in our modern day terms, what must I do to be a Christian? Or what type of person must I be to be your follower? And we find in Matthew 19, the following scripture. It says, Jesus said to this man, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What we should not read here is a set out law that all of us need to go and sell what we have, give it to the poor. Maybe that is required for some of us. But actually, this man had a preference Christianity. God, can I keep my idols? Can I keep my worldly possessions and still follow you? Can I put these things on the same status as you, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, I will not share my glory. And all of us try to take our certain things. And I sometimes stay, take my things and like, God, I can't, can't I share this with you? Like, I will use this for your glory. But I know there's selfish motives in me. And God say, no, for you actually need to be one of those Christians. He spoke to that man. He said, you actually need to be one of those radical Christians that lay down your life, lay down the things that take higher priority for my name's sake. And it was hard for him, and he couldn't give it up. And he actually left without Jesus that day. In his case, possessions, money, and a subcategory of Christianity actually made him not find Jesus. I remember when I just got saved, um, this year I will be um, walking 10 years, 22 of, 22nd of September, I would be walking 10 years with the Lord. And I remember it was about 10 years ago, I got saved, and then two or three weeks after that, I, sit, I sat with a youth leader. And he took me, we usually, we didn't go for coffee, so we went for milkshakes when you're on youth. So he took me for a milkshake uh, at this one coffee shop in, in Wellington. And we sat down, I drank my, my, my milkshake, and he said, I want to do an activity with you. I'm like, great, you are the pastor, let's do it. And he took out a piece of paper, he took out a pen, and he said, draw a little stick man. And I draw a little stick man. And then he said, your name on top, Henry Latigan. And then he said, just do a couple of palkis to the side and describe everything that is a part of your life. And I went, I wrote some of them down. I'm like, it's the pastor. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> church life, sport, friendships, health. And I put down certain things, family, my future, all of those things are a part of my life. And he says, can I show you something? I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
And this changed my life. And I'm not kidding you, this changed my life. He took that pen, he took my name, he scrubbed it out, Henry was gone. He scrubbed out Jesus, and he put Jesus on the top. And he says, Henry, when you came to Christ, it's no longer Henry who lives, but it's Jesus that lives in you. And from this moment on, if you call yourself a believer, it is not Jesus being a part of your life. Jesus is your life in your family, in your studies, in your work environment, in your future, in your marriage one day, in your finances, in every single thing. Christ is all in all. He is not an add-on to the rest of the things. In everything, He is there. We can put up maybe that Leonard made an awesome thingy. Um, saying God first and in my friendships and church life and mental health and put whatever you want in there, Christ in everything. And I believe that is what God is calling us. There's no in between Christianity. Or Christ is Lord of all or is not Lord at all of everything in our lives. So let's look at some scriptures in the Bible. Firstly, there's a guy named Moses. You might have heard of him. Moses was 80 years old, 80 years old, then God called him. And some of you are sitting here, oh, I missed it. I missed it. Some of you um, had church experiences like the older people in our midst that had church experiences and now are living for God again. And it might, and I've heard this sometimes that we look at our past and we're like, oh, I used to be like that. And I used to. And for all of us, we need to look at our lives and say, when is God going to call me? God called Moses at 80, and then his life changed. And let's look at that. Exodus 4 verse 10, it says the following. But Moses said to the Lord, this is where God called him, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. He had an excuse immediately. God is calling him audibly through a burning bush, massive encounter, and he's like, thank you, but no thank you. I'm not one of those type of people. I'm not eloquent in speech. God, I can't preach. I'm from Bloemfontein. <laughs> Bernard. I can't speak English. When Leonard preached, it's, it's like he, he sucked in a, a, a dictionary. It's just like eloquent words coming out of his mouth. I'm not one of those. And that is exactly the response that Moses had to the call of God at 80 years old. Think about that. We sometimes get impatient and we're 19. He was 80. That's a long waiting period. And then God called him into more. But God supplemented him through Aaron to speak and to, through signs, wonders, and miracles. And ultimately, God did what he needed to do. And he had an excuse, but God was big enough. And he did through him significant things. The next group, actually, of people were the apostles. These were normal, working gentlemen. And we also find ladies in that group following Jesus. Fishermen, tax collectors, doctors. They were normal people going through, in a sense, the rat race. Just every month needing to get their fussy needing to get their thing, just needing to provide for their family. But God 
God broke into their lives. And we find in, I think, Acts 4 verse 33, speaking about these apostles, and with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. These were men that a couple of weeks ago denied Jesus. Jesus comes, empowers them by the Holy Spirit, and now is preaching with great power the gospel of Jesus Christ. God can do significant things. The last one is the woman at the well in John 4. We've heard about this woman, but let's consider her for a moment. This was a divorced, adulterous woman. This was a divorced honey. She had five husbands. When some of those type of people walk in the church, we're like, they're in a cycle of sin in their life. They're never going to make it. They're just going to fall in the same pattern again. And we almost put them to the side, and God can't use those type of people. And maybe we want to put ourselves in that category, but I've messed up too much. How can God use this sinful person? And we read in John 4, 39, Many Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. She boasted in her sin, oh, not boasted in her sin, boasted in the, in the fact that she was a sinner and God broke into her life and she shared freely the work of Christ in her life. And it's actually one of the most significant evangelists that we see breaking open territory for the kingdom of God. In my preparation, I, I was just considering if I share all of these different things, what, what would you guys hear on the other side? And what would, have I, what would I have heard if I sat there? And I think something that I would have shared is, but Henry, these type of people had encounters with God, saw Jesus physically appear to them at the, at the well, I don't have all of that. And I want to say, actually, that is Satan putting up the handbrake for your life because it's not what the Bible says. God made a way, and He is the great provider to provide you to walk in everything that you need in this life. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says the following, His divine power has given us everything. The Greek word there means everything. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness. His divine power has granted us everything we need for life and life and godliness. God has provided that for you. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus is committed to your growth. Jesus is committed for you to shine Him in this world. Jesus has provided, actually to such an extent, God has provided God in the form of the Holy Spirit to come live within us, to change us, to transform us, to help us, to guide us, to support us, to encourage us, to bring boldness upon us, to do miracles through us. Everything we need, God in us, the hope of glory. But I have personality quirks, Henry. 
God is in you. God is in us. I think we limit the bigness and the greatness and the power of God. And I think God wants to come and do significant things in us so that He can come and do significant things through us for His glory. So I want to end off with the following. And I wrote down a couple of things. Who is to say that you will not walk in these things? Who is to say that you will not be one one of those type of Christians? Who is to say? Who is to say that you are not a morning person? If we value God enough, you will wake up. Because we do it for road trips. We do it for sports events when we were in school. I remember my, my, my clothes being packed out, my shoes being ready, my socks lying there, everything neat and tidy, ironed. The next morning I'll wake up at like 4 or 4.30, putting on everything, ready, shivering in the cold, but I'm going to go do my sports event. It was no problem for me to wake up. Why? I valued it. There was something of value that I connected to it. If we value Christ, who cares if you're a morning person or an evening person? There is something for you in that. Who is to say you can't fast? Some of us say, no, I'll never fast in my life. That is something of significance God has for you to deny yourself, to give yourself to Him. Start with a meal. Start with two meals. Start with a day. Get people around you and say, let's, let's fast together. I want to see what there is in this. I found great Great breakthrough in my life when I came and denied myself and just looked to Jesus. Who is to say you can't fast? Who is to say you can't pray in a group? Oh, but Henry, yes, have you seen those people pray? Have you ever seen them pray? It sounds like a rap battle. And then this one jumps in. And you're just standing there and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Like that's all you can get out. But what if that's enough? What if that's enough from a pure heart? To say, guys, guys, I want to pray next. And the whole group look at you. Yo, yeah, this guy is dedicated or this lady is dedicated. And you go, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. And the Lord stands up like, that's it. That's my boyki. That's my girl. Well done. You are one of those Christians. You just prayed in a group. And you've dedicated yourself to step out that little bit. I've said it many times to some of the leaders. I've said it to the elders. I've said it, I think, in one of my preachers. But I struggle to pray. It's for me a difficult discipline in my life. And that is the reason I go to prayer meetings primarily. Because I struggle to pray. But I know when I go to prayer meetings and I wake up and I'm with the brothers and sisters and I'm like, guys, we're going to trust the Lord. I go there and there's just something that happens and I'm like, Oh, Jesus, we prayed together. We loved on you. We praised you in prayer. And I positioned myself for victory because I know it's an area that I struggle in and I need the body around me. Who is to say that's not for you? Who is to say that you can't know the Bible? I sat with a lady on, on Wednesday. She says, Henry, I'm intimidated by those Christians that every time I speak to them, they, they just like, yeah, in Galatians 6, 1, it says da-da-da-da-da, and just the next verse, it follows on to that, and that is the end conclusion of every book in the Bible. And they just like know the Greek, and they know this, and they know the overview of every book, and she's like so intimidated. I'm like, great, let's sit down. 
Let's get a group of people. Let's go read the scriptures. Who is to say that you cannot know the Bible like that? And why aim for that if you can just start here? Let's start with one book. Get your community. Get the people around you. Read verse for verse, chapter by chapter. And somehow, down the line, we know the scriptures. We're like, what? I always looked. I was so intimidated by certain people that knew theological words and concepts. And I felt so insignificant in view of them. But I just said, God, every day I dedicate myself to your word. Psalm, now I'm going to do that. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Lord, I store your word in my heart. This is a scripture I built my life upon, really. I store your word in my heart so that I would not sin against you. Are we those type of Christians that store the word of God in our heart that we will not sin against our God, but please him in everything? I need to wrap up. We spoke about who is to say you're too much of an introvert to make a difference. God is calling each one of us despite that. Who is to say that you will never plant a church, lead a congregation, be an elder, be a deacon, lead worship in front, do the finance teaching, lead a meeting like Bernard? Who is to say I, in school, I, I hide behind my friends every time I need to do an oral. I was nauseous to my stomach, but I knew she's going down the line and I'm coming up. If they get to L, Latagan will be called out and I need to stand up and I will do an oral. And I shiver as I stand in front and I'm nauseous to my core because I need to speak in front of people. Until today, this afternoon, I was, I was nervous. I'm preaching, and worship, I was nauseous again. I'm like, oh, not again, not again, not again. I said, God, God, for your glory, for your glory, despite my nauseousness, despite my anxiety, despite what I feel in front of people, who cares for your glory? I will be one of those Christians because that's what you've called me to. Who is to say you will never baptize someone? I know the first time I baptized somebody, it was just like, I made it. I made it. I'm one of those Christians. I baptized somebody. But it's just spending enough time. And for maybe some of you, you've never been baptized. Maybe your first step is to look at those type of Christians and say, but I thought that was only for the elite. I will never be ready to be baptized. According to Scripture, you will never be baptized, and that's the point. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And Christ came and did a work on the cross. So despite you being ready or not ready, if you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, you will associate yourself with Him in the death of the waters and being raised in newness of life. And you are then one of those type of Christians. New life in Christ Jesus. I think this is a team sport and I'm ending with this. I think Christianity is something of a body that the Lord has placed us together. We're going to speak about next week just how does it look to be with one another and do this Christian thing. But accountability, are you inviting input in your life? Are you going to your community and saying, guys, I was challenged in this area, this area, and this area. Where can I 
where can I improve? Where can I move forward? Will you guys keep me accountable? Will you guys come alongside me for a season so that I will get this right? It's almost like I see it as a, as a building that needs restoration, and we put scaffolding around the building. That's our accountability and our community and our leaders and our friends and the people that loves us. Say, so I will get this right. Why? God is calling me to this. Maybe you need to go to your leader or go to your friends and say, guys, where do you guys see I can improve more? When last have you done that? Inviting perspective in our life, inviting input to say, I want to grow into the fullness of what God has called me to. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I know that this is only, I know that this is only words if it's not for your spirit comes and convicts and ignites something in our heart. Father, I trust that you would come and broaden our perspective to not live a Christianity that's based on our preference, on what we prefer, on our hurt, on our personality, that we will not be one of those Christians that, that in a sense compare and always shoot ourselves low and create subcategories, God. There's only one type of Christian, and that's the one found in Christ and given to your kingdom. And Father, I trust that even in this moment, that you would come and speak. Father, we don't want to rush this moment. Would you come and speak in this moment if there's areas that as we dedicate ourselves to be found in Christ, rooted in Christ and the life of Jesus and the life of the Spirit and the life of the Father flows in us, that you want to come and do something through us, through the strength of Jesus. And I want to ask if you are sitting here, and I need to do this because it might be that you are sitting here and you've always looked at those type of Christians and say, I've never associated myself with that group. Not just as a Christian, but I've never associated myself even with the concept of Christianity. I might call myself a Christian. I might be born a Christian, according to my family, but I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never given everything over to Him. I've never made Him Lord of my life. And I need to give a moment for, for those people, create a moment to say, I want to respond. So if you are here, you might have come to visit of or a couple of weeks you've been visiting us, but you know that you know that you know that there's something missing, that there's a separation between you and God, and you've never given your life to God fully, then I want to pray for you. So if there's anyone like that here, I just want to pray for you afterwards. If there's anyone, could you please raise your hand that you've never given yourself to Christ Jesus as, as your Lord. And for the rest of us, now that we're all Christians, hallelujah, Father, I pray that we will be those Christians, those radical ones, God, that when the world looks at us, they would say, they turn the world, not only upside down, but right side up. And that's the way the kingdom needs to function. Amen.